The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Gotham City Gazette, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, March 1st, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Batwoman. Please welcome my co-hosts, Professor X. Hello, Gotham. And Millie Wood. Hello, Gotham. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 2, Episode 6 which was titled Do Not Resuscitate and aired February 28th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. As Ryan Wilder's kryptonite wound grows more severe, it hinders Batwoman's ability to protect Gotham. Growing interest in reproducing the serum from the Desert Rose puts Mary's and Commander Kane's lives in danger. Meanwhile... Alice's reunion with a fellow Coriana inhabitant presents unexpected complications. Yeah, think. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 6. Batwoman was viewed by 477k total viewers with a .1 in the demo. It was steady in the demo, although it did slip to a new audience low. Okay, so let's dive into this. A lot happened, and a lot of the storylines actually interjected by the end of the episode, which was good. So uh, let's start off by talking about Angelique. There's something about Angelique. So at the start of the episode, we have her being incredibly loving and supportive of Ryan with uh, her wound. They go to the hospital. She takes a stand, makes sure Ryan gets some medical attention. She even is going to pay for x-rays and blood work and all that kind of stuff for Ryan's wound but there's clearly some friction there even though it looks like everything is happy in loveville uh there's frictions with uh with angelique's work and even though ryan does get her to basically say yeah you know at some point i'll leave this gig behind later on once ryan actually gets her a job at the holdup it turns out angelique is very happy doing what she's doing the the thing in this episode that adds a wrinkle to their relationship is uh, sophie approaches ryan to in essence uh use some tech to spy on um that the tech will spy on angelique's phone because the crows are now looking for ocean and ocean is her supplier and this that or the other angelique by the magic of the tech gurus that she associates with uh found out that uh that ryan helped uh plant the bug and that leads to what appears to be a breakup by the end of the episode 
um, there, there's also a moment with, with Ryan and, and Sophie where, uh, in essence, Sophie, not Sophie, where Ryan tells Sophie, like, wouldn't you do something to protect the person that you love? And this, that, or the other. And so by the end of the episode, it does look like, because Sophie's listening in on the breakup, it does look like uh, Sophie is maybe moved by it. I don't know what you would call it. But there was a little bit of a Sophie moment. Um, there, the relationship between uh, Ryan and Sophie seems to be very... Um, there's a lot of friction, and it's very antagonistical. I wonder if that means by the end of it all, if uh, Sophie's going to warm up a bit to Ryan. Not in a romantical way. So let's talk about Angelique. And, and in essence, Sophie, but focusing on Sophie and, and Ryan's story. What do we think is going on here? Do we think this is a permanent breakup? Um, I think we've all sort of agreed that Angelique is trouble. But uh, what what... Uh, purpose did this storyline serve? Um, you know, are we are we going to have a back and forth type of thing with Angelique and Ryan, Millie? I can see it being a back and forth thing because I think it was interesting that I mean they both did some wrong were in the wrong this episode. Um, but what I thought was interesting was the comment about the plant that we well at least I've come to, to enjoy, and then we find out the backstory like it's from Angelique. And just, so that kind of shows that Ryan obviously has been holding this torch in a way for her. So I was like, okay, it's not as easy. And she doesn't have all this resentment if you're holding the plant. So I could see her wanting to come back or at least trying to get her to come back to her in this back and forth. So I do think that she still seems a little shady and there's more going on to her, um, even though right now she just looks like somebody that just wants to be a drug dealer uh, and make some money. But I feel like um, she's going to come back and she's going to be causing more trouble when she's back. Okay, very interesting. I do think she'll be back. Um, I, I think, uh, as the professor quoted Taylor Swift in in last week's podcast, uh, you know, I, she's trouble. It'll be interesting to see uh, what ends up happening as far as that goes. Professor, Millie talked about uh, Angelique, um, uh, but I want to get your take uh, on Angelique, but I also want to get your take on Sophie's involvement uh, with the storyline. And do you think uh, what Sophie overheard um, because the, the, the phone was bugged. Do you think that's going to soften her approach to Ryan moving forward a little bit? I think so. Um, I think, uh, you know, prior to this episode, we had sort of Sophie regarding Ryan as just, you know, another perp that she was using to further her own goals. But I think it was pretty clear in the scene where she was listening in that uh, they're trying to set that. Uh, Sophie realizes that she may have crossed the line. And I think that's part of the broader uh, question of, of what the crows are doing. So, yeah, I do think that, uh, you know, getting back to what you were saying, obviously Angelique's going to be coming back. You know, they're not going to write off the character. But I do think that Sophie will be a little more reticent about uh, trying to uh, to lean on Ryan going forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if we can get some sort of alliance there. Uh, I know that uh, Ryan is still hesitant of like working with the crows and that sort of thing. Uh, and I, I do want to see whatever storyline they have uh, that they kind of teased with uh, maybe um, Sophie trying to reform the crows from within. Uh, you know, maybe Ryan and, uh, in essence, Batwoman could be an ally when it comes to that. So uh, we will wait and see. They're certainly planting the seeds for something um, with uh, Sophie and, and Ryan um, in the episodes to come. Hopefully it's not romantic. Just putting that out there. We don't need that in our lives. I'm just saying. Okay, so in this episode, Ryan's injury is getting worse 
and worse and worse and worse is in all caps with like five exclamation points after it so at the start of the episode we saw her in essence uh you know just collapse when she's fighting some perps we see that the wound uh, throughout the episode we see that the wound is is larger it's kind of glowing and pulsating we uh, learn via the medical results from uh, the, the tests that she got the blood work that she got done that um, it's radioactive and uh, you know the doctor even thought that the samples were contaminated because he was like I have no idea how you have this much radiation this that or the other and uh, Luke ends up finding out about the injury in this episode like Ryan has been able to play it off a couple of times when she's been sort of shook um, on on the job, but uh, this time around he saw it and and he uh, grew incredibly concerned. Initially he was angry because she kept it from him, but I I feel like she gave a valid excuse or a valid reason as to why she didn't, and that kind of shut him up, t- to be quite honest. Um, in this episode, we also got the series's answer as to how they're going to cure it. And I think this might have been the episode where they had to change things up uh, as opposed to wrapping this up or, or getting the fix via a Superman and Lois crossover, which was originally planned at the start of the season. Um, technically, I believe it was going to be a Batwoman. Uh, not a Batwoman. Yeah, no, uh, no, it was Superman and Lois. It, Batwoman was supposed to cross over Superman and Lois. Um, so they were going to get a fix via that, but now it's going to be the Desert Rose, in essence, is going to cure Ryan. And uh, it looks like it's very serious, this wound, uh, because it's radioactive. Um, this this could be potentially lethal because it's, in essence, um, seeping into enti- her entire body. Professor, what do you, where do you think this is going? Um, I don't know when we're going to get to Coriana. We're certainly getting closer to Coriana based off of what has happened in, in the other storylines in this episode. But do you feel like this is the moment when the writers realized, okay, we're not going to have a crossover, so we have to figure out how to fix this in-house? And what did you think of the moment where uh, Ryan uh, told the truth to Luke and, um, and her explanation as to why she kept this from him in particular? Because he ends up finding out that Mary knew. Well, yeah, I don't know whether this was the the moment the uh, the writers realized it, but it was obviously the moment where the uh, the series is pivoting towards that direction. Um, I do question Ryan. You know, I realize that it's an absolute trope of the CW series that if you are the series, the title character, you hide things from everyone else. But the fact that you've got a growing, glowing. Uh, you know, green, uh, you know, pustule on your shoulder, you should mention that to someone. Um, so it really did seem a little weird because it's getting so bad. But I do like the fact that they're sort of setting themselves up for a possible way to resolve this and tying it into the larger, uh, you know, Kate and Alice uh, situation. So much as I think it's a bit uh, artificial to do it this way, I think uh, looking at going down the line, I think it'll pay off. Uh, well, uh, even though I'm not entirely convinced as to how they got here. Yeah, I do feel like this was just a quick fix because they realized they could not cross over with Superman and Lois. So uh, this is their... Desert Rose is like the MacGuffin. It's like the the cure-all thing, and so 
that's just how they're going to fix it. Um, I do wonder, Professor, I don't know if, if you have the answer to this, but has kryptonite ever been lethal to humans? Like, is this something that we've seen in the comics in any sort of storyline, period? Or is this something kind of unique that they're doing for the show? Because we've seen, I feel like we've seen, well, we haven't seen any humans on Supergirl getting shot with kryptonite. But we have seen humans kind of handle it. And, it, you know, there's never been any worry, at least on Supergirl, like, oh, no, you can't touch the kryptonite because you're going to get poisoned or something. Well, famously, there was a storyline in which uh, Lex Luthor had a ring made with kryptonite, and he wore it to keep Superman at bay, and then it ended up giving him cancer. So there is a, a comics uh, based on that, but you know, uh, it, it's the thing about Lex was that he was wearing it for a very long period of time. So it's, it's a little different, but there is uh, comics, uh, there is um, you know precedent in the comics for that. Okay, all right. Okay, that's good. Well, so at least there is some sort of, uh, it has been sort of done before-ish, which is good to know. Uh, Millie, are you worried for Ryan? I mean, at some point in the episode, we saw, like, uh, her POV of what she's experiencing, and um, it does not look quite nice at all. It does not look like a fun time. I agree. Like, you know, giant glowing green thing is is cause for worry. Um, Am I worried in terms of, you know, is this going to, like, Sabrina and Peter, I feel like they'll find it, the Desert Rose or something else to magically cure her. So, you know, I'm not too worried for her, but it is concerning um, that that's there. But at the same time, because I know you mentioned, like, they had a pivot because of the crossover, but I still feel like they could, you know, give up, give Kara a ring and be like, what's this glowing green thing? How urgent is it? Um, just like a little acknowledgement on that, because it's not like this is the first, you know, thing. This is the first time they've ever heard of Kryptonite. Um, but I understand we need some mystery. Yeah, I think the showrunners are overthinking how to do a crossover during COVID times. I feel like in their minds, for whatever reason, and, and I'm including all of the CW-verse shows in this, I feel like they're just overcomplicating it. Like, I feel like they, they need, I feel like they have the need that they have to have the people physically there to do the crossover when, because of logistics in the present-day COVID era. I mean, they can do stuff over Zoom, over Skype, a simple phone call, a simple email. Hell, it could even be just um, uh, exposition. You know, I just got off the phone with Kara. I just got off the phone with uh, um, whomever, uh, whomever it is. Like, I just got off the phone with them, and, uh, you know, they're going to send something, and then we should get it by tomorrow or something. Like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like all of these shows are overthinking how to do a crossover like you could just mention the freaking character and that adds to like the the continuity. I mean, it is a little strange that at least Kara, maybe even um Barry Allen, the Flash, you know, someone hasn't checked in on the fact that uh that Kate is missing or something. Uh you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a little strange and the fact that they can't even call them up to be like, "Hey, I know y'all have dealt with Kryptonite." What's the 411? Like a simple phone call or even an email, hell, a text, is uh, incredibly simple to do. And you don't actually need the actors on that set. And on top of that, I mean, there's Skype. 
I mean, there's there's a FaceTime or something. I don't know. I feel like the writers just overcomplicating something they could that they could do simply. Like you don't actually need the actor physically there if they're worried about you know mixing uh, the cast and uh, the crews and that sort of thing to create uh, some sort of crossover. I don't know. I'll get off of my soapbox, but it's just something I've been feeling, especially because it looks like all of the showrunners are specifically trying not to make any of the, the shows crossover this season because of COVID. So let's see, where should we go next? Uh, let's talk about Amygdala. So we did have a baddie of the week. It all started off in Hamilton Dynamics, where we see that they're trying to recreate the, uh, in, in essence, they don't know this, but it's the Desert Rose serum. And, uh, you know, they take blood work from a child that was cured of everything that he had, and they inject into an, an, an older gentleman. And I got to say, that poor kid is probably traumatized because that man dies, like, right in front of him. And in the most horrible and gruesome way possible, like, spitting up, coughing up blood and all that kind of stuff, I felt bad for the kid. Um, and, and it turns out that they've been trying and trying and trying, and they can't... Uh, they can't uh, re recreate it. So uh, one of the nefarious Hamilton doctors ends up sending one of their patients, whose uh, nickname is Amygdala, out to uh, try to find, uh, you know, th th how they can recreate it. And so he ends up kidnapping Mary and uh, Papa Kane. So let's talk about Amygdala first before we get into uh, the Kane family situation. What do we think of Amygdala? What do we think of his uh, interpretation on the show? He is a comic book character. And uh, how did we like how they used Amygdala? Professor? Uh, Amygdala was a big uh, bag of meh. <clears throat> you know, he is okay. a comic book character, but he's, you know, considerably more interesting in the comic books. And in this episode, he seems like a one and done. Um, you know, there doesn't seem any reason to revisit this character. He just seemed totally meh. Um, yeah, I, I can't go beyond meh. He was a guy who, you know, got the drop in them, tied them up, and then was easily defeated. So, again, meh. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I thought the actor was good. Like, he really committed to the role. Um but uh, he was meh. Like, I looked him up, and he looks much more physically, Im Im like, creepy and, and much more of an imposing figure in the comics than he was on the show. Um, Millie, I want to get your take on the drama between Jacob and Mary in this episode. So they get kidnapped, uh, and they ki get kidnapped after sort of, in essence, a very loving and tender moment in the car where, uh, you know, they, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're both on the same page about Kate and that sort of thing. And then once they get kidnapped, a whole bunch of truths come to light. And, uh, the, I think the two most important ones were, uh, Jacob finding out about Mary's underground clinic, um, his reaction to that and his also, also his realization uh, in the storyline that, um, Mama Hamilton knew about it and approved of it. And then also the other thing that was interesting was the fact that Mary confessed that Jacob has never really taken an interest in anything that she does, that he's always been preoccupied with like other stuff. Like he was preoccupied with finding Beth. He was preoccupied with, uh, 
the crows and building and developing that. And now he's preoccupied with finding Kate. And so he's never really given an interest in what she's doing. And that's why he never really knew about the clinic. Um, the thing that was kind of fascinating by the end of it was that he's like, I'm shutting down your clinic. And Mary, you know, sort of drops a couple of, of truth bombs on him. Like, well, I guess, you know, you're, you're taking away the one thing that I care about. You know, I wish you wouldn't have paid attention to me at all. So their relationship, their dynamic goes through, you know, it's like a bit of a roller coaster in this episode. Talk to me about that. And where do you think this goes uh, after this episode? Because I feel like their relationship has to change based off of what happens at the end. I totally agree. There's, And I, I think I read like an interview with the um, creator saying that it definitely puts Jacob down an interesting path. And I'm glad that he's getting more to do. And that ties into, I like how this we're finally getting the storyline between her and Jacob because that has been a relationship we never really got to explore because it's always been about Kate. Um, and so, I'm, you know, one upside of not having Kate there is we can explore this whole uh, Mary relationship. I think it explains a lot about Mary and the character that we saw in season one, which is all about, you know, putting on this front, being very superficial, and we've definitely seen her grow. Um, and what I think it's so sad is, like, she does still want the, like – validation from Jacob as she sees as a father figure um so the conversation they had when that hit my heartstrings like oh that's so sad um because we all love Mary we want her to be happy but um I'm glad they had that because it is something that needed to be addressed and I think that his decision at the end to shut down the clinic was you know snap judgments like oh okay like why would you do that? But it makes sense to him. He's, I think, going through a lot, and um, everything's kind of shaken up, and this is the one thing he knows how to do. But I also think it's a little bit ironic and probably hypocritical because he's running the Crows, which is also very, like, in the gray and dark and definitely not on the right side of the wall. So then to shut down uh, Mary, who is trying to help others, uh, is hypocritical in that sense. But I think it's going to put them at uh, opposite ends. I do think that their relationship is going to go cold from here. I don't see them ever kind of reconnecting in, in any way of some kind of like father-daughter relationship. Oh, wow. You're going really negative. Uh, Professor, do you agree with uh, Millie? And uh, I am curious to get your take on uh, sort of the justifications at the end of it, because I felt like both Jacob and Mary's feelings, I mean, they were both right in their reaction to to, to everything. Uh, I feel like Jacob, in essence, is trying to, at the end of it all, be a father and protect Mary. But I also uh, completely understand where Mary's coming from. In, in essence, he's stealing her joy. Like, this is something that she has built. She has saved all these lives. She has uh, established that for herself. And uh, now that he's, you know, in essence, noticed what she's done, he's completely ripping that away from her. Well, yeah, I mean, technically, Mary is doing something that is illegal and something, you know, that puts her at, you know, tremendous risk because, you know, as an unlicensed doctor, you know, with an unlicensed, uh, you know, clinic, you know, anyone could sue her for, you know, potentially millions and millions of dollars. So it makes total sense what uh, Jacob is doing. It also makes total sense what Mary is doing because she thinks she's 
contributing. She's giving back to the community. So it's it's really a difficult situation to be in because, you know, Mary has been sort of doing this uh, almost vigilante thing. And now Jacob, who is, you know, the force of order in the community, finds out about it. So obviously he has to do what he said he was going to do. Um, unlike Millie, I think he's going to pull back on that. I think he's going to realize that what she's doing is important and has a contribution to make in the community. And I think within a, an episode or two, we might see him, you know, pull back on that and say, well, fine, I'll, I'll let you do it. But, you know, what, there'll have to be some oversight or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I think once Jacob realized that, there was no way he could react any other way than the way he did in the episode. I hope that's true, to be quite honest, uh, just because... I mean, if we're really thinking about it, uh, Jacob has nobody else. Uh, I mean, it's not like he's going to try to forge some sort of relationship with Alice, at least at this point in the series. So uh, I think he will fight for Mary's love, in essence, because, you know, I mean, he's alone. Uh, uh, you know, let's just be for real. Kate isn't there. His wife isn't there. Um, I mean, maybe we'll get a little bit more development of that mentor-mentee relationship with Sophie, but um, I, I think he will fight for Mary because, in essence, I mean, she's all he's got. All right, let's see. Let's move into uh, the Alice Ocean saga. We got some more information about Alice and Ocean, uh, we had really interesting interplay between the two. I think one of my most favorite lines of the episode came from Ocean. Um, because I, I forget exactly how Alice put it. But she was like, you know, do you want to hear my, opi my opinion or something? And he was like, oh, I had a choice or something. It was just the, the, the line was fantastic. Uh, so in the episode, they realize that uh, they in essence, have a shared history. And it wasn't just that Ocean wanted to escape Coriana with, uh, you know, a desert rose flower. It was the fact that they probably wanted to escape together. They clearly had some sort of romantical type of thing going down. And uh, Sophia found out and um, she, uh, in essence, somehow wiped their memories, but just their memories of their time together on Coriana. How she did that, I don't fucking know. And I don't know if we will ever get an explanation to that. But she did it. It's, she, she's got the gift. We also found out that Ocean apparently trained everybody on Coriana, like the the guards and, um, I don't know, Sophia's assassins and that sort of thing. We saw a little bit of his training with, uh, uh, was she Alice at the time? Beth, whatever she called herself. Um, we saw that. We saw things turn romantical with them. And we even saw Sophia in the episode as well when Alice calls her up and is like, oh, so... You weren't going to tell me that apparently I shared a romantic history with the man you wanted me to kill. And she was offering details. She was going to give her information about them. But Alice uh, is, she, she, um, feigned she, she feigned disinterest, I guess is what I should say. 
So, okay, so let's talk about Alice and Ocean together. We'll talk about what happens at the end of the episode separately, because I feel that that could lead to uh, other questions and, and, and that sort of thing. So, Millie, what do you think of Alice and Ocean? We got little tidbits as to what was going down in Coriana. But what did you think of their interplay? What did you think of uh, the little tiny glimpses of their time on Coriana together? They're definitely growing on me. I think I was a little bit on the rocks last episode, but I think the the chemistry between the two really helped sell it. And as you mentioned, I do love the quips. I remember she's, Alice is something about it, doing something. He goes, that's not crazy. You killed three guys. Like, it's just it, they yeah. have a good, like, quip off of each other. And I think that really is what makes it enjoyable. Still a little, <laughs> like, annoyed it went this route because, of course, the CW did. But uh, at least it, it's fun and I'm enjoying it. And I think that um, it will be interesting to kind of see more of their story unfold, especially as we've kind of mentioned just seeing Alice think about something that's not killing people. Uh, so that's nice to see her in this whole different light. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I mean, it is very CW that, you know, it, in essence, it's a love triangle, but it's not a love triangle that's reciprocated. So it's like, you know, we have the one woman who's in love with the other woman, but, th you know, her brother, in air quotes, ends up actually getting the girl, and, and and so in the eyes of Sophia, you know, it was like, you stole my woman from me, and, and that's, uh, in essence, why she memory wiped them, but what's selling it for me is the chemistry of Nathan Owens and uh, Rachel Scarston have incredible chemistry, so I'm fully along for the ride with uh, Alice and Ocean. Uh, their interplay is, is very good. Um, they, they, they're they doing sort of like subtle things, especially Alice, like looking at him and that, and reacting to him. Uh, so Rachel's choices are, are very good and um, I'm enjoying the ride so far. Professor, I want to get your take on Alice and Ocean as well. Are you enjoying them? I am enjoying them. Um, you know, you say that, you know, Rachel has... Uh you know, great chemistry uh, with Ocean, but, you know, she would have chemistry with a mop if she wanted to. She's really, really good. True that. Um, what bothers me is uh, partially the, the CWO is uh, a love triangle or whatever. What bothers me more is that, you know, nothing that happened in this episode really advanced things beyond the last episode. In the last episode, we realized that there was this connection, there was this history. In this episode, they just said, oh, and it's even more of it. And when she puts her arms around his throat to choke him out, oh, suddenly there's a flashback. We had that before. So it felt to me like they're just in a holding pattern uh, with the relationship in this episode in a very CW sense because we've got all these episodes in the season. We have to, you know, slow reveal things. It just felt that it's more of the same. Um, so for me, even though, and yes, they have a tremendous chemistry. They're great. Um, it, it just felt like they're, uh, they're marking time. Okay, I get what you're saying, Professor. I didn't mind it because it, it did allow them, it, it allowed us to see a little bit more of their interplay that wasn't uh, sort of antagonistical as it was in the previous episode. Because in essence, you know, she was scoping him out because she had the flashbacks and because uh, she was sent to kill him. So in this episode, it was, um, there wasn't that sense of dread as there was in the previous episode. Um, I, I do agree, though, if they do this once more, 
it's going to seem like a bit much. So I hope, based off of what happens, which what, which um, we'll be discussing in a moment, I think that won't be the case because it, it looks like the plot is moving forward at uh, a um, quicker pace uh, by the end of it. Um, so I didn't mind this one as much. Uh, and also I enjoyed them together. So maybe that was it as well. So let's talk about the end of their storyline. So... Uh, Throughout the episode, uh, we well we had already learned this because the Bat Team knew that the Jack Napier painting was a fake. Uh, it had pig blood, pig's blood on it. The crows figured it out in this episode, and they also figured out that the person that uh, forged it was Ocean because there was a partial print on it. And so now it's like everybody's looking for the ocean. I mean, all they got to do is you know go down to the coast, right? So. Uh, Somehow, I don't. This is the one thing that I don't know how. But Sophie ends up finding Ocean, and uh, and Alice clearly, and uh, she's like, I I want the painting, and he shows her the painting, and then he lights it on fire. The blood um, is, um, you know, disappears, and then we see the map to Coriana. Uh, what was it? It was like, because um, she asked Luke if he could read, what was it, like nautical something or other? Um, but it, I guess it's coordinates and that sort of thing to uh, Coriana. So, uh, so there is that. Uh, so, so that sort of, it, it's like that storyline is finally tying into um, everything else. Um and uh yeah so they end up getting the the painting basically at, at that point in the episode did we like how the storyline sort of converged um it looks like uh, i mean what we've been seeing so far is sort of like various groups searching for coriana you know we had um alice and ocean on their journey trying to search for coriana we had uh, the crows you know, Sophie and Jacob on their search. We had the Bat Team on their search. For a moment there, all of the storylines sort of like converged and, and we had the map to Coriana. We also have a, another uh, um, group that's searching for Coriana as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, so uh, I'll open it up to the floor. Like, w was that moment a moment that we all enjoyed? You know, sort of seeing finally these stories, um, you know, joining combining i'm a little bit like i like it because i do enjoy that that storytelling but at the same time um it all just seemed a little convenient uh that you know oh, we're all we're all this this magical thing will solve all our problems there are 20 different problems um but one thing i did like what it does is it it makes Coriana not just the solution to like finding Kate like there's more to it so I do appreciate that because we're we're branching farther away from that so the episode's not all oh we have to go find Kate and Coriana so I like how that is there um but again it is a little convenient now now like five different groups want this very secret island yeah I, I I will say the coincidence of it all is kind of ridiculous but this is a comic book show so I mean it's there's there's already a lot of ridiculous stuff going on I mean there's a woman with a glowing you know gash in her chest so I mean that's already ridiculous uh, it is fascinating though that as you said Millie they like everyone has sort of like their own now unique reason for searching for Coriana, whether it's finding Kate, we have Ocean, who, even though he's a drug dealer with the snake bite and all that kind of stuff, 
Um, he is he, he wants to get the Desert Rose to help people, which is interesting. And then now we have Ryan, who needs Coriana so that she could get the Desert Rose to cure herself of the kryptonite poisoning. So it's not all about Kate, which is kind of nice, to be quite honest, because I feel like the, the shadow of Kate really is incredibly heavy. I mean, it, it's looming over everything. It's The shadow has turned almost into like a, a fog that's, uh, you know, almost like a pea soup fog. So the other group that's looking for Coriana are the Hamilton people. And uh, at the end of the episode, uh, they end up, because... Um, Mary ends up calling Luke. She calls him Lucas. She explains sort of that, that she needs the map. And uh, she does so in a way to kind of alert Luke that things aren't on the up and up. And uh, uh, when Sophie calls, that saying that she's got the map and that sort of thing, he tells her. And so she heads there as well. And at the end of it all, there's a, there's a fight, there's a scuffle. Batwoman does end up taking down Amygdala. But the Hamilton goons uh, end up arriving and threaten Sophie's life. And uh, they end up giving them the map to Coriana. So they lose the map. Sophie's alive, though. There's a little moment for Ryan, though. Because Sophie's like, you know... Don't give him the map, but but she's like, no, you know, it's your life and that sort of thing. So there was a moment where Sophie and Batwoman connected, uh, but now the the Hamilton people have it. And at the end of the episode, Jacob, in essence, feels like he knows that it was the Hamilton people because uh, he was like, heads will roll if it was Hamilton and that sort of thing. Um, what did we think of? I, I mean, it kind of sucks that our people lost the map, but I felt like there was some interesting storyline stuff that happened on the way to them losing the map, especially the Sophie um, Batwoman moment. Uh, Professor, what about you? Did you find that interesting? Yeah, I think bringing Hamilton uh, into it is either interesting or unnecessarily confusing because we already have Sophia and we have, you know, Alice and Ocean and we have the search for Kate, which is tied in there. And now we have, you know, Hamilton Dynamics uh, apparently searching for the same thing. And lest we forget the big bad of this season is supposed to be, you know, Black Mask and the False Face Gang. So it, it seems a little bit to me like they're muddying the waters, complicating things, unless they're dealing with, you know, the Hamilton Dynamics thing and, you know, search for Kate and all that's going to be like a first half or first third of the, of the season thing. But it seems that they're really muddying and confusing things. Uh, in a way that's maybe not entirely necessary. So I'm I'm not sure, um, you know, whether it's it's entirely necessary. It also does seem, as uh, you were saying, you know, a little convenient that this, you know, mystical island that's always remained a secret, suddenly everyone seems to know about it. And partially that's obviously due to what, uh, you know, Alice did earlier in the season. But it does seem a little weird that, you know, suddenly everyone knows about it and everyone's searching for the same thing. So it seems to me a little, you know, convenient, uh, you know, a little, uh, you know, sort of uh, plot convenient rather than, you know, logically making sense. So I don't know what they're going to go for going forward in this, uh, all of these plots, but, you know, it does make sense, you know, in, you know, if you're trying to deal with the idea that, you know, everyone's searching for the same thing, but I don't know how they're going to get out of it. So I'm really a little leery about it because it does seem a little too 
you know, piling everything onto the same uh, same plot uh, outcome. Yeah, it looks like they're turning this almost like a rat race situation where it's what is it now? So it's the Bat Team, it's the Crows, it's Alice and Ocean, and it's now Hamilton dynamics that are in essence on a quest to find Coriana. Um, it, that is a lot. Uh, I mean, it, it, <laughs> you know, it'd be hilarious if they throw in the false face people, you know, wanting to search for Coriana as well. That'd be kind of ridiculous. It's like the amazing race for Coriana. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a lot. Um, I do think the false face society or the false face gang, whatever we call them and black mask, I think that's the season thing. I, I feel like we're going to get to Coriana and Sophia sooner rather than later. I have no idea why Hamilton is in the mix, although I don't mind them in the mix because it's something that was established in the previous season. And it's something that I think we all thought Mary was going to be involved in, like as far as, you know, owner or on the board or that sort of thing. And the fact that she, um, she isn't, uh, because she sold her shares and that sort of thing, um, makes her going up against Hamilton really interesting. Um, in this episode, Millie, I, I want to get your take on on Hamilton, uh, the sort of reemergence of Hamilton in this episode. In this episode, we did um, have a moment where uh, Mary was like, you know, that, that was five years ago in, in regards to Amygdala's test uh, the experimentation and the testing that they did with him that turned him into the way he is and and that has uh, in essence um, um, filled his head with tumors and that sort of thing which sort of sparked the rage um, stuff that he goes through in this episode but we she learns that that happened when her mother was alive when Catherine was alive and and that sort of uh, leads her to question you know, was she involved? Did she know? And that sort of thing, which in essence does um, add to the reasons why Jacob uh, sort of is shutting down her clinic. You know, look what your mom did. You know, I don't want you to go down that slippery slope. And even though Mary defends herself and is like, you know, I'm not my mom, you know, I want to help people. I would never do experimentation and that sort of thing. Uh, Jacob in essence does have a point. So, Millie, what's your take on the reemergence of Hamilton? What do you think of them as a potential, not big bad, but certainly uh, a thorn in the side of our uh, bat people uh, this season? I think it's exciting in the sense of I felt like there was hints last season that the Hamilton's up to something and they could be a plot, you know, a storyline down down the road. Um, but kind of as the professor had mentioned right now, or sorry, as you've mentioned, uh, it's a lot going on. And so if it doesn't tie into Mary or something like that, I feel like it's just another thing adding onto the pile of a pretty packed storyline. But I think there is a lot there, um, especially because we found out, you know, Mary sold her shares. There's, there's nothing there. Um, but we know that Catherine was up to some shady stuff before she died. And so it'll be, I do wonder, because it is clear that, that Mary is close with her mom. So will these like revelations of what she was doing, what Hamilton's up to, will that change? Is that going to be another journey for, for Mary personally? And how is that going to change her? Yeah. I hope this adds to Mary's story versus, you know, just being fluff. We'll have to wait and see. So the final major plot point that happens in the episode happens at the very tail end. We see Alice with her knife and we see her stab 
a uh, a sleeping ocean. And she calls up Sophia, and she's like, I got it done. He's dead. Send your goon. And, uh, you know, give me back my sister. We see that Ocean is alive because he walks into the subway car. And it looks like Alice did her face magic or something. Like, I have no idea what the hell she did. I wonder if we will get an explanation to that. But it turns out it looks like she's got a fake Ocean that she's going to be delivering to Sophia. What do we think of this? Are, are we shocked? It, you know, Alice has been able to face swap in the past, but she didn't even take off the man's face. So I don't know how she did this. Um, but well, we've seen her. She did create Bruce Wayne's face. It's not like she went and dug up his, well, she I mean, you know, Bruce Wayne had, had disappeared. So it's not like there it was a body that she could take the face from to give it to Tommy. Um, what did we think of this? Do you think Sophia is going to buy it? I think for plot reasons, Sophia is going to have to buy it, at least in the short term, because, you know, it's necessary for us to get to the island. It's necessary for Alice to get there and Ocean to get there. And indeed, you know, everyone else apparently in Gotham to get there. So I think she'll have to buy into it, at least in the short term. Okay. Do you agree with that, Millie? I do, yes. All right. So it looks like, I guess maybe they might be the first people that get to Coriana. Which that might be interesting, because um, if uh, Sophia is lying about having Kate, they'll be the first ones to know. That'll be interesting. I do wonder if that'll lead to a flashback-heavy episode where we do see the true story about uh, Alice and Ocean. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Was there anything that I missed? A teeny tiny little moment in the episode uh, that either of you would like to discuss before we head into the MVP? All right, I guess we covered it all. So now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Professor, who's your MVP and why? I like Mary through the episode. I thought she was really, really good, you know, in all of her scenes uh, with everyone, particularly uh, her scenes with uh, with Jacob. Uh, you know, I thought we got a real sense of, you know, her relationship to her estranged uh, father-in-law. Uh, and, you know, at the end of it, you know, we got the, the real sense of, you know, what she's going to be giving up if she does lose her clinic. So I thought it was, you know, a really good episode for her. I agree. I co-sign all of that. Nicole Kang is fantastic. Millie, what about you? Who's your MVP? I'm going to have to give my MVP to Ryan. Um, although she spent half the time just you know, in pain, I do really enjoy the scenes with Angelique, although I'm a bit worried of her. I think what the, like that relationship brings out of Ryan adds a lot of depth to her, and I really like that um, conversation she had with Luke. Because as mentioned, you know, she's been under Kate's shadow, and, and we see her trying to fight for for luke's um acceptance and for her to finally get it and, and to have it in the way that she did i thought was really great awesome another very good choice i'm gonna give my mvp this week to ocean i loved his snark with alice so much like he always had a, a one-liner to come back when it, with whatever she was saying and and in essence he was in sort of judging her in a spectacular way the writing for both of them uh, w was really good in this episode, but uh, Ocean just had a whole lot of snark to everything that Alice was saying, and I really enjoyed that. 
Now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bat signals? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the bat cave. Millie, what about you? How would you rate this episode? I think if I had to give this episode a 7.9 bat signals. Um, I feel like of all the episodes, this one seemed to just kind of plateau, and I feel like the professor might have been alluding to it. I wouldn't say the word, but it felt like we were a little bit treading in place with a lot of storylines um, and just trying to get us geared up for everyone to start the race to Coriana. So um, in terms of plot move, I felt like it was very stagnant. I did like some of the emotional moments that we had there, uh, but it felt a few in, few and in between a lot of just kind of exposition going on. All right. We got a 7.9, very specific, from uh, Millie Wood. Professor, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to come in a bit lower for the reasons we uh, talked about that uh, Millie was just repeating. It feels to me like not much happened in the episode. You know, uh, we had all the things that we were talking about, you know, established previously. And this was just sort of like, you know, grinding in place. This felt like a, a real placeholder episode. So for me, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Okay, we got a 7 and a 7.9. I'll come in in between, and I'll give it a 7.5. Uh, um, I, I agree with both of you. And I do think, I think it has to do with the fact that this was the episode when they finally re when they realized that they had to change shit. And this might have been an episode that they had to completely rewrite. And um, they were like, we're not going to have the Superman and Lois crossover. And I think that's maybe why it felt a little stagnant. I agree with all the negative uh, um, opinions uh, about the episode, but there were still interesting moments. Um, you know, uh, there there was a lot of good character work, so it wasn't a horrible episode. It was just an episode that clearly, I think, was tinkered on, and it, it turned into more of a, a setup episode. Uh, this was an episode where things kind of were paused, and... Um, and we were sort of uh, introduced to elements that were just reiterating stuff that we already knew. And uh, it's unfortunate because I feel like, uh, for the most part, this season, each episode has kind of advanced the previous one. And this one really was like they just paused the storyline and they gave us a little bit of advancement at the end. Um, and, and hopefully in the next episode, we kind of pick up steam like we had in the previous episodes. We'll have to wait and see. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Gotham City Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Gotham City Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night, Gotham. And Millie. Good night, Gotham. If you want to follow with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. Thanks for tuning in. A quick programming note. There is no new episode of Batwoman 
this upcoming uh, Sunday, so we will be back in uh, two weeks. Download new episodes of the Gotham City Gazette every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.